how many of you have your Christmas tree up already? All right. How many have plans to put it up in the next week or two? All right. Some of you are less crazier than others. That's good to know. We do not have our tree up yet. We, we wait for Advent, Pastor David. <laughs> All right. God is good. So we are finishing up our Kingdom Life Now series because next week we go into Advent. And so in this series, we have our big idea is to live in God's kingdom here and now is to welcome his rule and reign into every area of our lives. I read this funny story that I want to share with you. Mrs. Smart was fumbling in her purse for her offering when a large television remote control fell out and clattered into the aisle. The curious usher bent over to retrieve it for her and whispered, Do you always carry your remote control to church? No, she replied. But my husband refused to come with me this morning, and I figured this was the most evil thing I could do to him legally. <laughs> so, friends, keep that in mind. So we have been journeying through what it means to live in God's kingdom here and now, this kingdom that is already and not yet. We have looked at what it means to live in the opposite, to be caught in the middle of dueling kingdoms with new life, new identity, and a new kingdom. We've looked at how living dead to self means to be living alive with Jesus. I shared this quote in week two, that if you've not chosen the kingdom of God for yourself, it will, in the end, make no difference what you have chosen instead. Week three, we looked at what it meant to suffer with and for Jesus. And then last week, if you were here last week, it was a Sunday. It was wonderful. I don't think I have ever been part of a baptismal service that felt quite like last week did. So last week, we looked at what it meant to go public with our faith. Watchman Nee says, baptism is faith in action. So in order to live in God's kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven, he, here and now, we know that we have to be rescued from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light. And we are rescued when we open the door to Jesus, when we open the door of our hearts, of our minds to Jesus as king. Living in the kingdom of God requires living in this opposite spirit. That means, loved ones, as hard as it can be at times, we need to love instead of hate. We need to give instead of take. And we need to serve instead of being served. We have to die in order to live. Die to the things we hold on to. Die to our old self die to our sin nature. 
we have to figure out how to live being hated. Because Jesus assured us that in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, he says, because I've overcome the world. That those that hate us have hated him first. And we go public with our faith. It's a declaration to the world that with Jesus, life is changed forever. It means that death turns to life. Despair turns to hope. Darkness becomes light. It's a deep and quiet moment. It is transformation. It is an act of faith. It is celebration. And it is a message to the world that God's kingdom is here. And he is transforming lives today. So this morning, our last piece of work we need to do is to be assured that God's rule and reign is sovereign over even our finances. There's this song that was written a number of years ago by Francesca Battistelli. If you listen to Christian radio, you will be familiar with Francesca. The song goes like this. I'm not going to sing it, I promise. They say, you're the king of everything. The one who taught the wind to sing. The source of the rhythm my heart keeps beating. They say, you can give the blind their sight. You can bring the dead to life. You can be the hope my soul is seeking. I want to tell you now that I believe it. I want to tell you now that I believe it. I do. You can make me new. I'm an empty page. I'm an open book. Write your story on my heart. Come on and make your mark. Author of my hope, maker of the stars, let me be your work of art. Won't you write your story on my heart? Do you want that? See, when we are kingdom living people, we are living out his story written on our hearts. See, and I love the fact that the Lord chooses to be the source of new beginnings. Because, see, it doesn't matter even what this morning was. He's willing to give us a fresh start now. See, and I'm not that person. I don't have that kind of grace without him. Do you? I struggle and I can keep records of wrongs. I have to rely on him to give me mercy. And there are days where it's been so hard. I think, does he have enough grace for today? And the good news is, is he does. It's without end. So yesterday's over. Tomorrow's not here. Today's what we have. Today is the opportunity for him to write his story on our hearts. Today is the day to choose kingdom living. Martin Luther is credited with saying that every believer needs two conversions. One for the soul, the other for the pocketbook. 
it's true, isn't it? Like, let's be real. This morning, we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about what it means to live generously. And we're really going to have to look at what belongs to the Lord. We're going to talk about how we are to allow the rule and reign of God's authority into every area of, of our lives. See, it surprises many people to discover just how much the Bible talks about money. The fact that there are more than 2,300 verses on money, wealth, and possessions. Jesus actually speaks about money about 15% of his preaching. And we tend to kind of scoot by it, don't we? Throughout the Hebrew scripture or the Old Testament, God's people were to honor him with their first fruits, with a tithe, with 10%. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a bunch of scriptures at you for a moment. Let the Holy Spirit do as he will. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Leviticus 27, 20, 30, sorry. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Exodus 34, 26. Bring the, bre- bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 14, 22. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all of your field of all that your fields produce each year. All right. So full disclaimer. Those of you who are already thinking, but that's Hebrew scripture. You're right. It is. That's the law. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus does not speak about the tithe specifically. He doesn't. He doesn't bring up ten percent. But he speaks about money a lot. And he speaks about being generous with how we live a lot. So we have two options as I see it this morning. You can tune me out and be annoyed that I'm speaking about money and be saying, well, the new covenant doesn't say I need to give anything. That's too bad. Or we can lean in and say, okay, Lord, Write your story on my heart. Everything about me submits to you. So Holy Spirit, teach me, convict me, guide me, direct me. Because all that I am and all that I have belongs to you. That's what I think we have for options before us this morning. See, throughout the scriptures... It shows us, and I think we can all agree on this, that throughout the Bible, it shows us that God's people were never meant to solely be consumers of everything and anything. We were not made to be simple consumers. And how do we know that? Well, we know that because God implemented the tithe to give back 10%. And he implemented the Sabbath. See, everyone around Israel 
was working seven days a week and hoarding everything they had. And God said, but my people will not do that. My people will depend on me. So my people will work for six days. They will give a tenth of their earnings to me. And on the seventh day, they will trust me for their rest and their provision. We were not made to simply be consumers. We were created for a person and a place. We were created for Yahweh and to be with him in his kingdom. We were created not to be independent, but dependent on our creator, dependent upon our king. And we were created to be interdependent as a family, to lean into one another, to carry each other's burdens, to live life together, not in silos, to take care of each other, to feel the need and the burden of our brothers and sisters. Winston Churchill says that we we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. All the Lord's people, not just the people from a few thousand years ago, but you, but you and me are called to live dependent on God. We are called to be interdependent on the church. Not the building, the people. You're my people. I'm your people. Life together. And we are called to live generously in giving our money, in giving of ourselves, in giving of our possessions. And from the king's perspective, what we give and how we give is all an act of worship. It is not separate. It is worship. So in order to live generously, in order to, to give generously, we have to acknowledge what belongs to God. So let's take a minute. So what is God's? Let's start with everything. Not my words, David's words from Psalm 24. Everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, in the world and all who live in it. So help me out. What belongs to the Lord? Everything. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You are part of the everything. Deuteronomy says in 8, verse 18, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And he so confirms it in his covenant. So, we're okay believing that we belong to God. Our hearts and our minds, we have a little bit harder of a time sometimes thinking our bank account belongs to him because we work so hard. And you do work so hard. And he blesses you for that. And he takes care of you. 
That's the whole point. I read somewhere recently, and, and I don't know who quoted it. I don't know who to quote because I read it and then I forgot and then I remembered. And it says something like this, that there is not one square inch of creation where Jesus does not declare, mine, mine, mine. First Corinthians 4.2 says, Now it is required of those who have been given a trust, they must prove faithful. Romans 14 says it is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. There will be this moment where you and I stand before the Almighty. And we will be judged. It is different, loved ones. We are covered in the blood of the Lamb. We are, we are chosen, set apart, and redeemed. We're heading home. But we will give an account for everything he entrusted us with. You know, every square inch where he said, mine, mine, mine. He's going to say, Crystal, what did you do with what I asked you to steward? What did you do? So our text this morning is from Paul. It's actually in 2 Corinthians. It will come up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 9. Paul says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It's actually going to just end there at verse 8. My apologies. So here's what we need to know. You can only give what you've received. You can only give what you have received. Since nothing is yours and everything is his, that which you have has been given to you. And you can only give what you've already received. You can receive without giving. But you cannot give without receiving. So you can receive and you can hoard it and hold it tight. Or you can receive and you can give. So why do we give? First, giving is an act of obedience. Now, here's a good moment for me to say, we're going to come back to it, but each one of you should give what you've already decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. 
this is not a guilt trip. This is an invitation. This is not about making anybody feel bad about what you give or do not give. Because frankly, that's between you and the king. Between you and him. This is an invitation to live your life fully surrendered in the kingdom of God here and now. And see, the job of preachers is to preach the whole counsel of God. So if I forget to tell you this, I've failed to preach the whole counsel of God. So loved ones, this is not a guilt trip. This is an invitation to know what God sees and what he expects. And the invitation to walk, run into his open arms of blessing. So first, we give out of an act of obedience. Faith plus trust equals obedience. If I believe the Lord is true and what he's asked is truth, and I trust that his promises are yes and amen, then I obey. So first, we give as an act of obedience. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. Two, giving acknowledges God's lordship over your life. See, kingdom life now, to be citizens of the kingdom today, means that his rule and reign has full authority, sovereign authority over you completely. So when we give, we are saying it's his anyhow. Remember what the psalmist said when we asked what belongs to God. Everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Giving grows our faith. Giving grows your faith. Because see, here's the thing. That number in your account doesn't really matter. It's limited. It's limited. That's what you have. You got you to gotta live on it. You got to pay your bills on it. And, and you work and, you know, some are retired and it is, it is limited. Our limits vary, but it's limited. And there's always need, and there's always bills, and groceries keep getting more expensive, and gas is more expensive. And we are human beings, and we're responsible human beings. And so the tendency becomes, especially when the economy starts getting tight, to think, I got to pull back. I, I got to pull back. 
But see, here's where giving grows our faith. Because if everything belongs to God and he's asked me to give, to be generous. See, yes, we've not talked about the tithe in the New Testament, but, but it's even greater. See, the New Testament shows the fulfillment of the Old Testament, the completion of the law in Jesus. And God laid out certain things. This is what you do. This is how you worship me. This is how you live for me. This is how people will know you're mine. And then Jesus came. And once a month, we break the bread and we drink the cup and we declare. We declare the battle cry of the church. That Jesus paid it all. Satan has been defeated. The debt of sin has been paid and our king is coming back because he's living. See, the call is not less, it's greater. The call to give is not less, it's more. Because you and I, we know what he's done. We are living on this side of the resurrection. We are living in between the advents. We know who's coming. We know what he's done. So can we trust him? Can we trust him? With the little bit that we have... See, giving grows our faith. And the Lord says that we can, at minimum, live on 90% better than we can live on 100. You probably know the story of this man named George Mueller. And he ran an orphanage in Bristol, England. And uh, the Lord's just bringing him to my mind. He's not in my notes. But he had this orphanage, and, and you will know, and if you haven't, just find Veggie Tales. They have a really good story of George Mueller. Um, but they would have no food. And in faith, the night before, he would set the table for all of the kids. And they would all get dressed, and they would all come down, and they would sit at the table, and there was no food. And they would pray. And like the milk truck would break down on their street. And the milkman would come in and say, it was a cart probably, not a truck. It wasn't refrigeration. Come in and say, hey, here's milk. Can you guys drink it? Here's bread. When the bread truck would break down. See, I I read about... George Mueller, and I want to have faith like that. I'm not talking prosperity, name it and claim it. Loved ones, it's hogwash. And if that's where you go, you miss out on the goodness of God. See, he is practical. And he is faithful to supply all your needs. You're probably not going to get your own plane. But guess what? You don't need it. But he will provide for you if you trust in him. And one of the ways we show our trust and our faith in him is by living open-handed. 
by giving him what is rightfully his to begin with. Like, does it really matter if it's 10%? Paul says, give whatever you've decided in your heart. I'll break this to you right now. My dream as a pastor is to pastor a church that gives more money away to missions than consumes for themselves. That's my dream. My dream is to give it away, to put the Lord to the test. That if we continue to hand over to him what is his, that he will supply all of our needs. And, and you should just know that when we go to the East Coast every year, there's a moment where I stand at the ocean, the tide is coming in or out, it doesn't really matter to me. And the Lord and I have one conversation every year. And I say to him, if you ask me to walk on the water, I will. I will. If you ask me to give it all away, I will. Because, see, I, I believe if the Lord asks me to walk in the water, I can. Not foolishly. And he has yet to give me the invitation. But I want to live my life without doubt. I, I want to live my life trusting that my father has it all. I, I joke, it's not really a joke, but you will eventually, when we have a need, I will say, I know a guy. Because I know a guy. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he has never failed to provide for me. See, giving honors the Lord. Hebrews 13, verse 16 says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Every follower of Jesus is to be a giver, not out of guilt, but out of love. God's people are to be generous with all that they have. Not out of guilt, not out of coercion, but out of worship. We're not in financial trouble. We're not in financial trouble. That's not where this message is going. There's not some big ask at the end of this. I'm not priming you for something. Some of you need to breathe. The board, the board didn't hide something and bring me in to, you know, woo you all to this moment. No, 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 no. This is about you and me as sons and daughters, as family, receiving the invitation to be enveloped by God, to surrender everything to him.
See, every follower of Jesus is to be a giver, not out of guilt, but out of love. Our giving is worship. So how we give and what we give, or the lack thereof, reveals our hearts. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. In the book, The Screwtape Letters, if you've never read it, read it. Read it. C.S. Lewis tells this story of two demons. One is an apprentice learning how to entice humanity away from their enemy, our king. I love that there's a disclaimer in the book that Lewis says he will not reveal how he got this information. I am so curious. But it is profoundly enlightening. And within the screw tape letters, the, the senior demon says this to the apprentice. So it's a quote from Lewis. Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels like he's finding his place in it while it's really finding its place in him. Ouch. Students, you're working really hard. And you're working really hard to someday get a job and make a living and hopefully, Lord willing, buy a house and have a family and be able to pay for groceries and gas. And very quickly, there becomes this moment where you enter the workforce and you get the paycheck, you get the salary, and it becomes your identity. Don't do that. Do not find your value in your pay. As I look, I see some of you training up for ministry. Love and serve, and God will take care of you, I promise. Guard your hearts today, because I believe this quote, that when we feel like we're finding our place in the world, when we feel like, look, I've arrived. I've got money in the bank. I can invest. I can save. I've got a down payment. If we are not careful, what is really happening is that the world is finding a place in our hearts. So Paul says if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly 
If we sow generously, we will reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Here's what blows my mind. See, God could say, because he's God and I'm not. God could say to me, Crystal, everything that I've given you is mine. Give me back 10%. He could say, give me back 50% because he's God and I'm not. But he says, trust me with this. Give me back a portion of what I've given you. And then I'm going to bless you further. Like I haven't been blessed enough. See, if you live in the West, we are the richest people in the world, folks. We are the richest people in the world. I have had the privilege of going to Kenya. And we knew this family. And we had, through Lynn and Paul Coles, had been able to support some things with with these three, four kids. And so quickly after I landed, within the first couple of days, I was taken to their place. And it was a slum, and it had like three tin walls and no door, and a dirt floor and a couch and a curtain, and behind the curtain is where they all slept. And they had a little Bunsen burner where they boiled water to make me tea. I called home after that visit. And I said to Daryl, it's smaller than our bathroom. This family of five lives on a dirt floor with tin walls that's smaller than our bathroom. We are rich. We are financially rich. I should say that. We are financially wealthy. Listen, and I I don't deserve it. I have this privilege because of where I was born. Because of where I was born, I have wealth. I never have to think about what it costs to take my kid to the doctor. I don't have to think about, can I afford it? Or do I have to manage this? I call and get annoyed when I can't get an appointment in that minute. We are wealthy people. And God has trusted us with so much. And then he says, all right. Recognize it's mine. 
worship me with what I've given you. And then I'm going to bless you more. I don't even know how to be that generous. See, I think when we start talking about what we do with our money, we start getting stressed, feeling like, oh, I, I don't have enough to give right now. I, I don't have enough to be generous with. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow generously, we will reap generously. See, here's the wild thing. God is not asking us to go without. He's saying, I've got you. You bless them. You pour into the church. You do this with that, that I've given you, and I got you. Are you following me with that? That's how I talk to my kids, so I just realized, oh, that might not make any sense to you all. We, we have this conversation all the time about how God's got it. You do your part. He's got the rest. See, so God asks for us to acknowledge that all that we have is from him. Then he says, since you now know that I've provided everything, in faith give it back. Just a little bit. Give it back as an act of trust, knowing that I will supply all your needs. Do it graciously. Do it with a happy heart. Don't do it for attention. Don't let the right hand know what the left hand's doing. This is worship. So where do we give? So we give to our church. We give to missions. We give to the poor. We give to wherever we see a need. Now, if you are new to the faith, if you are new to Jesus and new to living in the kingdom, or maybe you're still feeling out the kingdom, and you're like, ah, see, I knew it was all about money. It's actually not all about money. It's about your heart, and it's about our worship. So why do we give money to the church? Well, it's putting our collective money into the Lord's house, this is where we choose to worship, so it's our responsibility. So, buildings have expenses. Churches have employees. We give money to our district. We tithe our money. It's a continuation. So, as the Lord is asking us to order our finances, the church is required to order their finances in the same way. And so on and so forth down the line. But so the money that we give to the church helps the function of the church. When there's a need and we need to meet a need, there's money for benevolence. There is money to take care of the shepherds who are shepherding the flock. 
because we're commanded to do so. We're commanded to take care of those who are leading us. So it's not about just, oh, working hard and having to give away your hard-earned cash. It's an act of worship. The Lord, I'm bringing it into the spiritual storehouse. I'm bringing it in so that your work can continue. And I'm trusting you with what's left. We give to missions. It's our job, loved ones, to support those who go to spread the word of God. It's our job to take care of them. Because we are called to live interdependent. Your need is my need. Your blessing is my blessing. We're blessed so that we can bless others. So how do we give? We give generously. We give with joy. It's a privilege to give. It's this invitation of full worship to God. And we're to give without conditions. So what do we give? This morning we have talked about our finances. That's because it kind of, it hurts us a little bit more when we make it that kind of personal. But money isn't the only thing we're to give. We're to give our time. We're to give our talent. We're to give our experience. We're to give our possessions. We're to give our hearts. You know, we're to give our hearts. And ultimately, when we have given our heart wholly and completely to the Lord. We don't hold on to anything else, do we? It's open hand. So maybe you're new with us and the Holy Spirit is moving in you and you're like, I have never given financially to anything in my life. Well, the good news is, is today's a brand new opportunity to start. In the last book of the Hebrew scripture, the Lord talks about tithing and he says, listen, you can test me on this one. Our passage from Paul basically says the same thing. You can give sparingly and you'll reap sparingly. You can give generously and you'll, you'll reap generously. You'll receive back generously. So we have ways you can financially give through e-transfer to give at northviewchurch.ca. So this is awkward for me, but I guarantee somebody's going to ask. So I wrote it down. We, we can give through Tidely, through our app, the Northview Community Church app. You can give in cash and check at the Welcome Center in person here at the church. Of your time. You can give by coming and decorating on Saturdays. We get ready for Advent. You can invest your time and your heart into various ministries in the church. 
you can invest in missions. There are so many places to serve even locally. You can give of your heart by being committed to pray for people. And I don't mean just in general. I mean specifically. We have students in this house. From, from nursery to university. Give them your heart. Pray for them by name. See, it's not just how we give financially. If you're sparing with your love, well, sow sparingly, reap sparingly. But if you are generous, he'll multiply it in you. He will bless you beyond measure. I'll be honest, learning to give financially is something we all have to learn to do. It's not something that necessarily comes easily. It's trust, it's faith. Sometimes it's baby steps, but the Lord is in every bit of it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close us with one sentence. So worship team, you can start coming up. We're going to focus back in on our finances as we close this. So here's our takeaway, and I do have a slide for this one. We can worship our wealth, or we can worship with our wealth. Loved ones, the choice is yours. Let's pray. So, Father God, we humbly confess that we know everything that we have belongs to you. That everything... is a gift from you. From the roofs over our heads to our spouses, to our children, to our grandchildren, to our jobs, to the money in the bank, the air in our lungs, the beating of our heart. It all belongs to you. Lord, and we, we confess that it tends to be our natural instinct to hold tight. And I know you know this, Lord, but it's because so much of this life feels so fragile. It all feels so temporal. And that's because it is. So, Lord, we need your help to secure in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits once again 
that this is not our home. That we have the opportunity to live eternal right now. To be open-handed. To give what we have received as an act of worship. But Lord, we will need a spurring on by your spirit. Trusting is not always easy. So Father, I pray over us today and I ask that you would silence the voice of your enemy who says we do not have enough. Lord, I ask that you would bind a spirit of poverty. I ask that you would bind the lies of the enemy and that what would go forth from this day is your spirit in us, a spirit of generosity. Lord, a spirit of open-handedness, a spirit of giving. Lord, giving of ourselves, giving of our hearts, giving of our time, giving of our money that you would be honored, that you would be glorified. Lord, that we would be a people who walk and live in such faith that it confuses the world around us. That they would know that we are people of a different spirit. So we invite you to have your way in us this day in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits, in our homes, in our accounts. Be glorified today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you you and may he give you his peace may you be blessed abundantly church in jesus name